Hey guys, Cable here, and this week's podcast is brought to you by Scoped Vision. Y'all probably know of PhoneScope by now, right? It's that technology that allows you to hook up an adapter to your cell phone and then place that on your spotting scope or binos, and you can record what you're seeing through your optic. Well, Scoped Vision is the evolution of that technology, and now you can actually record your hunt through your rifle scope. You've got an adapter, it attaches to your scope, and you record right there with your cell phone. It's awesome. It's scoped vision. You can find it at phonescope.com. Best of me again. Welcome everybody to episode 474 of the Lone Star Outdoors Show, powered by Dallas Safari Club. Thanks to Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Polaris, our longtime presenting sponsors. Thanks to you guys and gals for being here. It is a treat, a pleasure, an honor to get to talk hunting, fishing, the great outdoors, and all that implies with you fine folks week in and week out. We've got a great show lined up for you today, so you know what to do by now. Pull up that stool a little closer to the old campfire. Pour yourself another cup of coffee out of that beat-up old thermos, the one that Granddaddy passed down a couple years back. Maybe you spike it with some of his moonshine. Maybe you don't. Maybe you like Jack Daniels. I don't know. Don't really care whether you spike it or not. Whatever floats your boat, I'm just glad you're here. So pour yourself another cup and pull up that stool a little closer to the campfire because we are ready to rock and roll. Got a lot to get into today. And off the top, uh, we'll be joined by our Texas Parks and Wildlife White-Tailed Deer Program Leader, Alan Kane. For the first time I can ever remember, I've had quite a few of you sending me photos and even video of white-tailed deer chasing does in February and even into March. That's crazy, right? I mean, is there some third rut that we don't know about? Uh, because in almost a decade of doing this, I've never been aware of this kind of behavior in white-tailed deer. I've certainly never seen it personally. Uh, but when you get pictures sent in by, I think I've gotten five trail camera images and three different videos. One of the videos, two bucks were locked up and one of them was dead. And this was in March. So what's going on? Uh, we'll sort it out with our good friend, Alan Kane, who's always happy to jump on and talk white-tailed deer with us. After that, I had the opportunity to take my first big game animal with a handgun last weekend down at Coons Canyon Ranch. And so naturally, like I figured, we better get Razor Dobbs on the show. He's the one who kind of lit that fire under my behind years ago. And finally, I uh, had some success there. And so we'll, uh, we'll take a look at how Razor fell in love with handgun hunting, how that has inspired me to do the same, but also the 10 millimeter. Uh, why is that such a great caliber? We'll talk 10 mils and uh, some of the uh, bullet choices that Razor's used to kill everything from white-tailed deer to Cape Buffalo with his handgun. Uh, so cool stuff coming up with Razor. And then at the uh, bottom of the hour, we've got Cheston Davis, our old pal from PhoneScope, set to join us. They've got some new products, specifically one that I think everybody that hunts the backcountry is going to want. It's called Pyro Putty. And it's truly a game changer when it comes to fire starting 
technology, uh, which we will explain more here at the bottom of the hour. But if you spend any time in the woods, I think you're going to want one in your pack or backpack. That is for sure. So that's what we've got going on here today. Going to be a damn good one. Guarantee you that. couple other things to mention. Our March Photo of the Month contest is winding down. We've still got that Stealth Cam DS4K. It's like a $300 trail cam. Takes the highest quality 4K videos on the market. And we will give one of those away to this month's uh, Photo of the Month winner. All you have to do, send in your best hunting, fishing, outdoor photo. You can email it to Lone Star Outdoors Show at gmail.com. Better yet, tag me on Instagram. Use the LSOS photo contest hashtag or uh, you can post it on my Facebook page. Whatever. We will get you entered one way or another. Then our 12 monthly winners will square off at the end of the year for a chance to hunt trophy black buck or, or uh, axis deer with me down at Coons Canyon Ranch. That's actually what we were doing last weekend when I took that exotic. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll get into that more later. But our 2018 photo of the year winner, Trevor Rice, was down there, and he took his first exotic animal uh, ever. Shot a nice black buck uh, down there at Coons Canyon Ranch. So congrats to Trevor. And uh, once again this year, we will do the same thing. Thanks to Coons Canyon Ranch for sponsoring that. Always a good time hanging out down there. Uh, one of my favorite places in Texas, and, and certainly my favorite place in the Texas Hill Country. So uh, thanks to Glenn Underwood for having us down there. Um, let's, do, let's do this. Let's do a quick giveaway. I've got a Lone Star Beer Thermos, like maybe you lost your old Stanley that Granddad gave you. Well, I've got a Lone Star Beer Camo one here that uh, we'll give away. We'll throw in a Camo uh, Lone Star Beer cap and a Lone Star Outdoors Show koozie. All you have to do, email the word. Let's do Black Buck since we're going to be talking Black Buck here today with Razor in just a minute. Email the word Black Buck to Lone Star Outdoors Show at gmail.com. We'll get you entered into today's Lone Star Beer Prize Pack giveaway. Let's take a break. Up next, Texas Parks and Wildlife's Alan Kane jumps on. We're talking white-tailed deer, and we're doing it next on the Lone Star Outdoors Show. Me for with you. Lock me up tight in these shackles I wear. Tied up the keys in the folds of your hair. And the difference with me is I used to not care. Stockholm, let me go. Howdy folks, I'm Lee Hoffbear for Hoffbear's Outdoor Superstore in Gulfway, Texas. I hope you're enjoying the Lone Star Outdoor Show. We've been a title sponsor for a number of years now, and we're proud to be a part of it. I'd also like to thank you for making Hoffbear's once again the number one Polaris dealer in Texas. Hey y'all, spring is here, and that means a lot of things, but specifically, your lawn is about to become your own personal nightmare. That's why I use JC's Landscaping. They do everything from lawn and landscape maintenance to fertilization and weed control. New premium sod installation. Hey, you want a French drain? I had to have them put in a French drain a couple years ago. They do that too. Landscaping makeovers, updates, stone borders and patios, and much more. Serving North Dallas and the surrounding areas, you can find them at jcslandscapingllc.com for a free quote. And tell them Cable sent you. So close you can count the feathers when it struts I pull out of a hayfield with a truckload full of doves I fight through the briars with a fishing pole Just to find my favorite crappie hole That's the music of my good friend Justin Bowerman, my baby us back on the Lone Star Outdoors show Powered by Dallas Safari Club Cable Smith 
riding shotgun with you today. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being here as we're about to talk a little white-tailed deer, something outside of the box, something that in almost a decade of doing this, uh, I have never seen. I've never seen it personally, uh, but many of y'all have this spring. I've been sent in multiple videos and trail camera images of bucks chasing does well into February and all the way up until mid-March. So crazy stuff, and we need to figure out what's going on. So Texas Parks and Wildlife Whitetail Program Leader Alan Kane will be here momentarily to discuss this phenomenon. I don't know if it's weather-related or if it's just uh, you know some fawns that were born very late the previous year that are coming into cycle. No idea. But Alan will be able to shed some light on that. Uh, but before we do that, this segment brought to you by the damn fish feeder. You know, if you've got a stock tank or pond on your property or deer lease, you want to feed those fish, the kids love to see it, here's what you do. You go to All Seasons Feeders, you click on the damn fish feeder, you buy the damn fish feeder, you put it on your damn dam, and you feed your damn fish. It's that easy. It's the All Seasons Damn Fish Feeder. You can find it at allseasonsfeeders.com. All right. Well, let's bring him on right now. Uh, he is a longtime friend of the show, our whitetail deer program leader, Alan Kane. Always a pleasure, man. Yeah, I'm glad to be be here this weekend, Cable. It's great to visit with you. Typically, though, um, you know, we're we're usually talking more like October, November, December, because we're talking during hunting season. How's the season going? Here's what our, you know, how's our uh, antler mass looking this year across the state? Uh, did we have good rainfall for acorn, you know, mass crop, um, sure. all that good stuff. But what I want to talk about today, it's something totally different and something that I've, I've, I've never seen in almost 10 years of, of doing the show. Um, but I've seen, I've had like at least five people send me photos or videos of, uh, of bucks chasing does and or fighting other bucks in late February. And then geez, one of them second week of March in Two bucks are locked up, and one of them's dead from fighting, which just seems out of the uh, the spectrum of, of normal whitetail behavior. It's unusual to see that sort of activity late in the year, especially in uh, February or March. Um, but that said, it's not something that surprises me. Uh, mm -hmm. Obviously, there's no fawns that are uh, are old enough and their body size is big enough now that they come into estrus late in the year. You'll see that happen in late February, early in March. And as a result, there are bucks out there with hard antler are going to be chasing. As long as that buck's got hard antler, he's going to be interested in breeding. And, uh, and so there's been some videos floating around out there on the internet with some bucks locked up in March in, in South Texas. And that's probably a result of, um, those two bucks maybe um, just fighting over a, a doe that's in estrus or a doe fawn that's in estrus and just something they just got locked up and, and uh, end up, you know, couldn't get apart or something, the, uh, the two bucks. But uh, generally, as you get later in the season, those bucks, um, they breeding is kind of falling off to very minimal. And so uh, those bucks are spending more time trying to put on uh body fat and mm -hmm. bulking up again from the rigors of rut but uh these two bucks but, that were locked up in this video from Las Palmas Ranch uh the ranch foreman I think is the one who videoed it his name's Brad he sent it to me and 
the buck, the, the dead one, these are very nice deer. Uh, you know, I'd say 160s maybe. The dead one hadn't been dead long because he hadn't even rigor mortis yet. Um, and they had to cut the living one with, the ch- you know, used a chainsaw, cut him loose. Yep. He ran off and they said they saw him the next day in the same area and he was still alive. So they think he made it. But the Good. the life cycle of a white-tailed buck is something that fascinates me because for nine months out of the year, they essentially bachelor up with their buddies. And then all of a sudden, that first doe goes into estrus or, you know, whatever kicks it off. They start thinking about it. And then they try to kill each other for three months. And then they're, <laughs> and then they're like, hey, I know I tried to gore you to death two weeks ago, but you want to go have a beer? <laughs> Are we good here? <laughs> so... That's- so it's crazy because here we are in March. The rut's been over for two months, generally speaking. And sure. all it takes is one Dauphin in estrus to walk by, and they're like, I want to kill you again. <laughs> yeah. There's just, you know, some of it's uh, probably some social issues going on. There may be some dominance issues going on between those bucks, and, and there may have been a doe and that's just that came along and, and helped prompt that or something, especially solid. These are two mature bucks. And so, um, you know, whether it's a doe and estrus that got them going or just their testosterone levels were still pretty high at this time of year before they shed antlers high enough to cause them to, to want to fight over whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but generally speaking, these know. animals bachelor back up before they lose their antlers. Um, I mean, at least my trail cameras always kind of say, oh, okay, late February, the the bucks are already back together, you know, um, and does and yearlings are, are kind of running in a group as well. And that's generally the case, but really you start to see those bachelor groups start to form up um, later in the spring, probably in April, generally after they've shed their antlers. And it's not to mean that they don't start kind of heading back to their – uh, summer range or, the, or their home ranges start to territory start to shrink back to what they normally are outside of breeding season. We're generally smaller, and so those bucks tend to concentrate in some areas, mm-hmm. uh, in probably in areas where it's got good nutrition. You know, the habitat's in good shape because they're looking uh, to bulk up, to put on body mass, to regain everything they've lost. They can lose up to 30% of their body weight um, during the course of of that rut period and it may in south texas where you have kind of a prolonged rut it may last for you know several months there's still that peak rut that's generally in in december around christmas there mm-hmm. and stuff but you're going to have does that come in on and off throughout that that longer time period and so that's just more stress and, and by the time march rolls around um those bucks a lot of them still have antlers and it's going to be mid uh, to late March and into April where you start seeing them dropping antlers and where they come back into those bachelor groups. And, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and it's all triggered by um, day length, which cause, ultimately causes a change in the hormones in, in the bucks. And then so <clears throat> ultimately that starts, you know, the antler casting process will drop them shed them in the, the spring, uh, early spring, and then you know, obviously as day length changes in the fall that starts to trigger that uh, period where they rub out of velvet into uh, hard antler. And, uh, and you said one thing I wanted to reiterate is that the buck is not going to try to breed a doe if he's not hard antlered. That's right. I yeah. mean, it, Biologically, that's just, is, that's just the way it is. 
just the way it is. I mean, they they don't normally breed anything unless they've got hard antlers. So. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean that, you know, there's a buck that hadn't... We're not going to see a bunch of shed bucks, like, trying to fake fight and, and then chasing does. Cause, That's right, yeah. yeah. It, it, this time of year, and the vast majority of them, you know, day length's changing. Most of them are shed antlers, but you may have a few. Uh, in fact, I saw one yesterday or Saturday coming up from, I was down in the valley in Michigan and saw a buck on the side of the road with antlers. I mean, he wasn't an old buck, probably two or three-year-old deer, and had both antlers on his head, so I would expect him to be shedding pretty quick. Mm, I saw an eight-point in Edwards County on Saturday as well. Yeah. 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 Uh, Young, yeah, young buck, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I was turkey hunting. I was like, holy crap, that this buck walks by. He didn't know I was there. I was just sitting under a tree, a hard antlered buck walking by. I was like, looking at the calendar. I was like, we are in like almost April, right? <laughs> yep. Yeah. And that's the thing that's unique about Texas. You know, we've got a, from one end of the state, from north to south, it's a long ways. And mm-hmm. so you see some definite differences in, in the, and you see that in whitetail deer just across the U.S. Is the further north you move, the the rut tends to be more concentrated within a very narrow time frame. And then a lot of times, some uh, some of those bucks in the northern states will shed their antlers in January, mm-hmm. um, starting January and early February. And then, um, but they're done, you know, with everything and and recovering from rut trying to make it through the winter into the spring and then they need that to maximize every bit of green that's available during the spring and early summer before it gets cold again up there up north and so you see some distinct really defined rut periods or breeding periods versus you get further south and things tend to be prolonged a little bit and so that's why we see some of these deer these bucks in rut with uh or bucks with antlers in like for March or even late March with antlers on their head and some could be potentially breeding doe. And yeah. you always hear stories, I bet, um, from some of your uh, listeners or other folks that say, hey, I saw a spotted fawn in late September, early October. Uh, what gosh, is the gestation uh, period of a white-tailed doe? It's about 200 days, give or take a few days on either side of that, but about 200 days and uh-huh. um uh, whatever it was, what had to been bred close to May, I would think, if oh. they saw it in December and they were assuming it's just a week old. Um, mm-hmm. You know, typically if you have a, a doe um, that's bred right now in early March, it's going to have a fawn around late September, early October, mm-hmm. which makes sense. You see some of those with their little bitty fawns that are very spotted and uh, it looked like they're brand new. Those are probably... Uh, either doe that just didn't adult doe that didn't get bred early, or um, a doe fawn that just came in late uh, in that uh, late winter, early spring there, and then just producing a late fawn. Does that is that life cycle? So okay, you've got a doe fawn. Let's just say she's born in September or October, like you just mentioned. Is that going to be her, so? Is her breeding cycle for the rest of her life in perpetuity going to be? in february and march or will that eventually iron itself out and she'll get on you know on track with all the other deer out there yeah i mean there's some research i guess that shows that there's the breeding chronology i guess is is passed on from the mother you know 
the fawn and the doe fawn. And so a lot of areas you see the, uh, that it's probably going to even out, I guess is my point, Cable. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times you see these fawns that may be in really good shape, had a good year, they get bred late. As they mature, um, you know, they're going to come into estrus at a normal time. Um, that probably the bulk of the other deer do, do in that particular area. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, so everything's going to normalize. She's not always going to breed late. Okay. In fact, I would say that the vast majority, unless it, with the exception of doe fawns, it probably don't uh, aren't matured up till later in that they're in the late winter, early spring. Everything else, those those that if there happens to be a mature doe out there that um, is coming into estrus in late for early March, she probably just didn't get bred early uh-huh. um, during her peak cycle and got missed, which could be a result of a really skewed sex ratio where there's not enough bucks um, yeah. out there to get those does bred during that peak period. They're, you know, having to run around uh, and may only be able to tend one or two does when 10 of them are in estrus right during that, that time period. And so mm-hmm. is they, uh, you know, if they miss a cycle, they're coming in about 21 to 30 days, you know, give or take somewhere in that time frame uh, every Every time they miss a cycle, it's going to be 21 to 30 days later, they're going to come back in. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. Well, just like humans, you know. So that's crazy, though. Just thinking that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. I, I guess the whole reason why I wanted to discuss this is just because no one's brought it to my attention in the past. And for sure. to have, you know, multiple instances, I guess I think it's five now of, of photos or videos that I've seen had sent to me directly from people out there. Um, you know, it's just kind of like, wow, maybe this is a, is this the third rut that we didn't, you know, why are we not talking about this? Um, so yeah, yeah, definitely, it's definitely interesting. And, uh, just to see bucks locked up in March, obviously, um, kind of caught my attention. So, yeah, you know, for folks that are wanting to look at rut activity or, or some of the, the the range of when deer are bred, Parks and Wildlife on our website, I think it's under the hunting page and like hunting tools, and I think there's uh, rut and white-tailed deer, there's a link, or if you just search that up, and then it'll show you um, the breeding chronology for each of the different ecoregions in the state in the uh, based on research we did in the early 90s and it'll show the earliest breeding date that we detect and the latest breeding date and so it's kind of interesting to see huh. how wide that breeding window is and that'd be a good resource for people to look at yeah and, and what, then obviously you can see the peak rut uh, mm-hmm. when that occurs well interesting stuff alan uh that's pretty much all i wanted to uh to get into today i'm sure we will do it again uh very soon certainly appreciate your time and and all you do for our Texas white-tailed deer and, and uh, all the hunters out there as well. Yeah, I appreciate it. Glad to have the opportunity to visit with you. All right. Always a pleasure. All right. Take care. All right. Our Texas Parks and Wildlife white-tailed deer program leader, Alan Kane. And I want to say this about Alan. I've actually never even met him, but we've talked on the show so much over the years that I feel like he's an old friend. Like, truly. I say that about everybody. Hey, you know, welcome our old friend, so-and-so back, and and I view them all as friends, but Alan, um, every time I call and say, hey, man, I need you to educate us on this or talk to us about that, as it pertains to white-tailed deer, he is always 
more than willing to come on and and uh, make himself available. So thanks, Alan. Appreciate that. Appreciate your friendship. And that's pretty much standard uh, across Texas Parks and Wildlife. They are always, and whether you agree or disagree with a, a policy or their stance on some aspect of wildlife management, they're always willing to come on the show and uh, explain where they're coming from. So I applaud TPWD as well. That segment of the presentation was brought to you by Rustic Reminders Taxidermy. Uh, shot a black buck last weekend and uh, actually already got a couple black bucks shoulder mounted. So this one's going to be a European mount. And you know who I'm giving it to, Josh and Becky Gunther over at Rustic Reminders. doesn't matter if it's your biggest bass, a raccoon that your kid caught on his first trap line, or your biggest buck, whatever the case, whether shoulder mount, European mount, fish replicas, doesn't matter. Call Rustic Reminders. Tell Josh and Becky I sent you. And you can find them at GR, the number 8 mounts.com. We will be right back with uh, an old friend of the show, one that I actually have met quite a few times. And when it comes to handgun hunting, there's no one I respect more than Razor Dobbs. He joins us next on the Lone Star Outdoors Show. Don't blink, cause like blue bonnets in the spring. We're only here for a little while. It's beautiful and bittersweet. In the market for a compact track loader, then check out the Bobcat Advantage, where Bobcat track loaders squared off against other brands in a variety of tests and challenges. Whether you're looking for performance advantages, uptime protection, or quality design, Bobcat compact track loaders are the best-built machines in the industry. But don't take our word for it. Watch the videos at bobcatadvantage.com or see Bobcat machines in person at Bobcat of Dallas and Louisville, Fort Worth, Cedar Hill, Longview, and now McKinney. Visit BobcatofDallas.com or call 469-586-0000. I'm Craig Boddington. I'd like to invite you to become a member of Dallas Safari Club, one of the world's leading hunting and conservation organizations. As a member, you'll receive Game Trails Magazine, a monthly newsletter, and invitations to our monthly meetings and special activities. Join Dallas Safari Club, an international organization based in Dallas, supporting hunting and conservation worldwide. For more information, call 800-9-GO-HUNT or visit our website at www.biggame.org. I'm Dave Spies from Gunnett on Sportsman Channel, and you're listening to the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Cable Smith, welcoming everybody back to the Lone Star Outdoor Show, powered by Dallas Safari Club. Little Sturgill Simpson, long white lines, bringing us back from break. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. As we've got an interesting topic to get into here in just a second, something, something new that I was able to successfully do for the first time this past weekend, uh, and we'll get into that here in just a second. But first, this segment brought to you by Dallas Safari Club, the worldwide leader in big game conservation. I'd personally like to invite you to join our ranks because you won't find a more passionate group of hunters who are focused on three things. Hunters' rights, education, and conservation. For more info, check us out at biggame.org. Well, our next guest is a longtime buddy of mine and someone who I 
draw inspiration from when it comes to a lot of things, but specifically hunting with a handgun. He's been all over the world, taking a wide variety of species with that Dan Wesson 10-millimeter pistola. And so joining us now, it's my pleasure to welcome Razor Dobbs back to the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me on the show, man. Uh, and this is a, it's amazing how much this podcast has exploded. <laughs> and uh, it really, it's pretty wild. You know, there's a gazillion podcasts out there, and this one's definitely standing out. So congratulations. Well, I appreciate it. You know what, though? It's, uh, it has a lot to do with people like yourself who, you know, from the time, from, from the very first episode, if I would have called you, you said, yeah, man, I'll, I'll come on your show. And so it's a, it's a two-way street, man. Well, I, and I appreciate it. No, it's cool. It's so, cool. And your Instagram page is, 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 is even better. You never know what's going to be on that. Page. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's fun. It's fun. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, and, and something cool I, I got to post on, on Instagram um, this past mm-hmm. weekend. I was down close to your neck of the woods. I was in Rock Springs. Uh, yeah. down there in the in the hill country hunting at Coons Canyon Ranch and uh for me it's not that I'm opposed to sitting in a deer blind and shooting an axis deer or a black buck at 100 yards I, with a rifle you know I don't care I've done it but I've done it enough you know I think I've killed right. three or four of each so and I didn't bring my bow and I was like well I, I had been jonesing to to get that first kill with my handgun in 2019 I said you know as soon as I get this foot healed up uh, that's like my first goal. Uh, yeah. And you're someone who we've, we've talked about it in detail over the years, your passion for handgun hunting and, uh, even going to, to Africa and killing two Cape Buffalo with a 10 millimeter. Um, so, so anyway, I'm sitting there, I'm like, you know what, forget this. I'm just going to sit for, for me, like inside 20 yards was my effective killing range. Cause I haven't put in all the hours of practice like you have, uh, but I was confident at 20 yards. So, Made up, you know, cut some cedars, made a little, uh, you know, thrown together ground blind there, and just yeah. prayed that the black buck came in from <laughs> from uh, upwind because if he came in from one direction, I mean, the wind was not ideal. Um, yeah. So we'll get to the to the good part of that hunt, but I, I want to go back in time because, like I said, you're someone that inspired uh-huh. me here. Um, well, cool. Who inspired you? And and I'd also like to hear about the first animal that you took with a handgun. Yeah, well, um, see, I I grew up with with rifles and you know, and I I was hunting deer when I was eight, you know, and we always had rifles, but we never had handguns, mm-hmm. and it wasn't my dad or anybody wasn't against handguns, but that just wasn't a big. I mean, we had like a twenty-two, so I didn't really grow up. You know, it wasn't a big thing to me, mm-hmm. and um. So, and, um, and the same was with bow hunting, but, uh, but, uh, and then, um, when I was in college, um, I had had become friends with, uh, uh, Ted Nugent Mm -hmm. and, um, and he was hunting with a 44 Magnum doing quite a bit of 44 Magnum hunting. And, uh, and I thought that's pretty cool. And so, uh, I looked into it and I, so I bought, I couldn't have really afford anything expensive but i bought a taurus 357 magnum mm. and it was uh it was golly um oh, i forget the model number it looked just like a, a smith and wesson model 29 it's very similar to that long barrel and uh and the cool thing about so that's where i got into it but i didn't know anything about pistols so 
you know, when I got it, I put the Coke can out there at 60 yards and was shooting. I didn't know that that was really too far. Well, you know what I mean? <laughs> sure. I didn't, I didn't know. And I also, I didn't, I, I didn't think about hearing protection, which is insane. So, but, um, oh, I'm right so there that's kind of where it started. That's where it started. And then a few years later, Ted and I were going to go to Africa and, uh, and he told me, he says, you need to get a 10 millimeter, a Glock 10 millimeter. And I was like, what the hell is a 10 millimeter? You know, I'd never even heard of it. And you couldn't, I mean, they weren't even, you know, this is 95 uh-huh. and uh, 94. And um, so the 10 millimeter craze of the early 80s was over. And, uh, and they were hard to find, but Glock had one. So I got one. And in in that wasn't necessarily a hunt with that was for personal protection mm-hmm. and different things. So that's where that started. So so when I got that gun, I just I, you know I was just like, well heck, I'm, I knew how powerful it was. Like I'm going to hunt with it, and I loved that gun. And I I got my when '95 was the first year the concealed carry came out, so I qualified with that gun. And all the cops because we did it with a bunch of cops. Huh. When I got, and they were like, Man, look at this, it's a 10 millimeter, you know, and it was funny because nobody had a 10 millimeter. They're thinking, it's and, like, uh, look at this relic. What does this guy have here? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and they're just like, and everybody, you know, 40 cows were the big thing then. And which are 40 cows, basically a 10 millimeter short. But then if you buy the ammo that the majority of the ammo people sell, it's not even a 40 cal. It's less than, yeah. and that's a whole nother story. Yeah. But my first so, handgun was um, a 40, and I very quickly yeah. abandoned that. That's one. Of, actually, that is the only gun that I've ever sold. Uh, I just didn't right. like it, and so I went to 45, and then saw Ted had that uh, perfect 10 from STI. And, uh-huh. and they were a sponsor of the show, and I was like, you guys, this is the gun that I want you to send me. So I've had that gun for like probably, gosh, five years or so, and, and we've yeah. been talking about this forever. Uh, so finally, <laughs> you lit a fire under my ass enough to go do it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, sorry, back to your, your first time. No, no, no. It's, and it was the same thing. But what inspired me, I was watching some of Ted's videos. I mean, this is stuff, this is not any produced, this just home video stuff and and i thought you know that's very cool you know and you know the hunting with that and in 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 the open sites you know it wasn't anything it was just so i just said hey i'm gonna do some hunting with it and um i didn't know what i was doing Mm -hmm. i could shoot it good and so at my friend's ranch there's all these feral goats that just come and go and um and i i mean you would have thought i was hunting some you know big elk somewhere i mean i was crawling and going and and i shot this goat man and um <laughs> killed it and i actually i was on the cover of ted's magazine and the title of the the article was will glock for food that's what it was called <laughs> and and that started it that's when i went because I was a diehard bow hunter, but I also liked firepower. And to me, I was carrying a gun anyway. So the more that I was getting better shooting my gun, it just made sense to go hunt with it. I'm carrying it all the time. It's just so easy to go hunt with. And it's fun. You know, I mean, you know, how does all shooting sports target? It's all fun. So to me, it was just another outlet. So I started shooting pigs, but the trick to me 
I went through, I shot all kinds of ammunition and not all. And as you know, not all ammunition is the same. Mm -hmm. And I'm not talking about bullets. I'm talking about loads, bullets as well, but loads. So what I noticed was that if you go look up gun digest or any ballistic uh, uh, data and you read what the 10 millimeter supposed was designed to do what it's supposed to do. And then you go look at the ammunition and what they loaded and it's all downloaded. It's not even a real 10 millimeter. It's all downloaded. And so mm. this was troubling. And then uh, jump forward. And when I found double tap that made full power ammunition and offered it and all these other different bullets that that's whenever I could go from, uh, you know, shooting stuff and, and hunting stuff to I could go hunt bigger game and then everything I shot was one shot quick kills dead. It was just amazing. Uh, so that's where it went and I just and and I just you know, it's funny because I'm not a ballistic maniac. Uh huh. You know? No, I'm certainly I, not, yeah. I'm, I'm not. I don't. But I. But I. I really researched into the 10 millimeter because if you read, at least then, now it's kind of changing. But if you read as of a year ago, back, everybody. Oh well, maybe on a deer, maybe on a pig. You know, whatever. You know, they're not really blah blah blah. And I was thinking, I mean, I had since '95 all of these hogs and deer and all this stuff that I shot with it, and I'd read this these 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 articles in these magazines and they're literally kind of putting the 10 millimeter down i'm thinking are we shooting the same gun here you know oh yeah yeah so Wait, i really looked into it and i've shot that double tap um i think what is it like 210 grain uh well that's one of them that, that, that isn't so that what, what you killed had, the buffalo with well i killed the buffalo with the 200 grain hard cast solid okay i killed three of them with it yeah they make a 230 hard cast and a 200. Okay. And uh, but I'd use the 200. But all the other stuff from Neil Guy to I mean all the deer and all that that's with the double tap, 155 grain TAC XB, which is basically a Barnes bullet. Mm-hmm. It's a Barnes bullet, but it's going 1400 feet per second. And that load right there, and if and if you read in any magazine, they're going to say it's too light. It's, it blows right through everything, and it literally blenderizes bone and, and vitals. It's just hmm. – it's not hyperboil. It is – because believe me, I love to hunt, and I hate to wound something. And if I can – whatever I can use the best stuff, the best I can afford, the best stuff that works, I'm going to use it. Yeah, yeah. And, um, this and this weekend yeah. I was hunting with the uh, it was a Hornady 180 grain XTP and that thing did a number yep. on the black buck. I've hunted with that. I hunted with that uh, years ago before um, I got turned on to double tap. Uh-huh. And um, but you know, you know, there's there's some great ammo out there. Yeah. And and one thing I can say when. It, on the 10 millimeter i've shot so much of it and i've shot i've actually shot you know lots of animals with it so i could really and i'm a nut you know i like to look in there and see what it did and and if, <laughs> and if i can recover the bullet i like to see the bullet and compare it to the bullet i shot in jail just to see yeah. you know oh yeah and yeah. also in the past it's educational you know, why would you not want to no 
Yeah. yeah. And it's exciting. And that's what we do, you know? And, and I knew years ago, my goal was to hunt a Cape Buffalo with it. So I was doing as much research. Number one, I knew it was possible, but that, but you, it's possible to kill a Buffalo with a 22. Okay. You know, mm-hmm. so I knew it was possible, but is it truly an effective means to do it? And if so, what bullets are capable of doing it? And, and it, it's not getting the biggest, fastest thing you can find. It's what's going to perform under those circumstances. So for years, I was researching that. And I was talking with Double Tap and, and, and doing things because I I my goal was not to go do a stunt. You know, hey, I'll shoot one with the, you know, <laughs> I wanted it to be legit, yeah. you know. Oh, yeah. And that's why I shot three of them, too. Number one, I wanted to shoot three of them. But number two, I, I wanted to go and go, no, it wasn't just a fluke, you know, and, and the bullets did just phenomenal. I mean, on that one buffalo, the bullet was up, up underneath the skin on the other side, you know. I just got a knife, made a slit, and pushed it out. All the other ones would be almost all the way out. Yeah. All up against the, and even on zebras, I shot through zebras at 50 yards and stuff. I mean, that's incredible. <laughs> so. Know? When you're when you're you know hunting in those situations, you're shooting off of uh, off sticks. I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah. On the buffalo, I, I shoot off sticks when I can shoot off sticks mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because I do a lot of freehand stuff. But when I can have the sticks or a rest, I shoot off a rest because Absolutely. I want to make the perfect shot. Yeah, you know. Well, th- that was my yeah. vision. Uh, how I drew it up last weekend yeah you know like i said made yeah. my little blind i had a little stool in there and and thinking that the black buck would come to walk right in front of me if he came play you yeah. know if he, if he cooperated with the wind although if he came from a from the other direction it was over and you know I'd probably just be sitting there watching the sun go down but um i didn't expect him to come from straight behind me and right. that's what he did i i had seen an armadillo making some, you know, kind of scared me, you know, you just hear, you hear something just jump and, yeah. and I was like, yeah. Oh, cool. An armadillo. And then like 10 minutes later, I hear something again from kind of behind, you know, over my right shoulder. And, uh, and I'm like, Oh, I see this. I see a black buck's leg, you know, and I know it's, it's a male. Do you love that feeling? And, oh my gosh. Yeah. And it was a Ram. I could see the chocolate on his, on his, uh, yeah. you know, right above his ankle. And, and then I'm like, well, crap. And here's another here's another interesting thing. So, in this situation, my sticks, my rest, wouldn't clamp onto the gun. I mean, it was made for a rifle. You know, I just made it work. Um, so I'm sitting there. And this was just something different for people to think about. With a obviously loaded handgun, it's just kind of sitting on my lap. And I don't know. I mean, you've probably had similar situations, or maybe your rest holds your gun. But this was my first time, and I was like, wow, this is kind of weird. You know. But anyway, you feel, yeah, you feel kind of, it feels kind of naked. Like, yeah. Yeah. I feel like you're just sitting there, yeah. you know, like, yeah. it's like it's supposed to be in something, you know? Um, yeah. Now what, what I've done before is, um, I have, you know, have a holster type thing that's inside. Like if I were Chippewas, it's inside the boot. So when mm-hmm. I'm sitting there, I can slide it in that holster, that okay. leg holster right there. Yeah. I'm looking for because, any kind of advice on that. Yeah. Yeah. And that was one thing. Or I would lay it down, um, you know, on the ground, 
you mm-hmm. know, where I could see it because I wouldn't keep it holstered. Sometimes I'd keep it holstered, but you know, it makes noise. Yeah. Yeah. Unholstering that thing. And, um, like I told yeah, you, I'm, that, I'm only equipped to shoot at 20 yards, so I knew it was going to be close. So I wanted yeah. to minimize any well, movement. And you know what? And, and you know what? When I'm hunting, like I'm hunting here at the at the house and all that, and 99% of my hunting, the shots are 20, 25 yards. Yeah. That's all I, that's all I want it to be. Mm-hmm. And, and, I mean, I practice out to 100. So if I have to do a 50-yard shot, I'm well prepared. But but when I when I set up a blind like what you did for that black buck, I'm thinking 25, 20 to 30 yards. Hmm. That's hmm. what I primarily think because it's like, to me, it's like bow hunting. Oh yeah, I can shoot 50 yards, but I really want that thing at 20. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So, and, and then plus, man, there's nothing like, especially a black buck, there's nothing like having one right there. Well, that part didn't last very long because of the, <laughs> the way that the black buck came in kind of surprised both of us, me and him. Uh, We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll hear how that hunt unfolded. Things got Western, as they sometimes tend to do with yours truly. We'll also mix in some red dot conversation as well. That segment proudly brought to you by Pulsar and the new Pulsar Thermion rifle scope. Mounts on any 30 millimeter scope rings. That's right. And still got all the other things that you've come to love from Pulsar internal uh, recording option and all of the other phenomenal features that you found on the Pulsar Trail. It's the Pulsar Thermion, and you can find it at PulsarNV.com. We'll be right back with more handgun hunting discussion with our good friend Razor Dobbs, only on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. We got his spirit, we got his soul. He will guide our steps, you guide our arrows home. Pike County, Illinois, and the surrounding area is hallowed ground for whitetail hunters. And with 21 years' experience, Golden Triangle Whitetails is the oldest outfitter in the state. Spread out over 14,000 acres, they have 350 acres of food plots, 500 tree stands, and over 80 box blinds. The guides take pride in having hunters harvest giant Midwest bucks. Golden Triangle Whitetail hunts the Illinois archery, shotgun, and muzzleloader season. They have a full-time chef and excellent lodging. Book your whitetail hunt of a lifetime by going to www.goldentrianglewhitetail.com today. Hey y'all, Chris Letzinger, online sales manager at Cinnamon Creek Ranch here, reminding you we're not your typical archery club. We're a one-of-a-kind archery facility with indoor and outdoor ranges, full pro shop, and six different 3D courses. Cinnamon Creek was designed by hunters for hunters. Located in Roanoke, Texas, we have over 200 3D targets to hone your archery skills. Call 817-439-8998 or visit us at cinnamoncreekranch.com to visit our new online store. That's cinnamoncreekranch.com. The Auctioneer is the name of that one. A classic from Leroy Van Dyke bringing us back on the Lone Star Outdoor Show powered by Dallas Safari Club. Uh, Thanks to our presenting sponsors as well, Lone Star Beer and Off Power Polaris. I'm Cable Smith. It is great to be here talking outdoors with you today, uh, specifically we are getting into some handgun hunting discussion 
with our friend Razor Dobbs, who uh, is still here. So he was nice enough to stick around through the break. Before we pick it back up with Razor, this segment of the show is brought to you by the brand new Lone Star Beer 24-7. It's made for Texas easy drinking, and it only has 68 calories. Check it out. It's the Lone Star 24-7. Lone Star Beer, the national beer of Texas. Well, moving right along here, uh, Razor was nice enough to stick around through the break. We certainly appreciate it, man, enjoying the conversation today. Hey, you got it. Anytime. Well, so Razor, you know, getting back into this hunt, um, which like we talked about, uh, you kind of uh, inspired me over the years to, to take that 10 millimeter and, and start hunting with it. Uh, but like we said, uh, I cut some cedar boughs and erected a, a ground blind and I thought I had this guy figured out as far as which way he was going. And so he, uh-huh. there's one cedar in between his line of sight and me. And once he mm-hmm. comes around that, and it, by this, I've already picked up the gun and I've raised, you know, got it raised. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, he's he's inside 10 yards. He comes around that cedar and he's looking right at me. He knows yeah. something's up. And I just, I let it rip right into his chest. Uh, got that little vortex razor red dot on there, which that might be cheating. Yeah. I don't know for you, but, uh, but no, no. he ran broadside and literally got closer. And I shot him again at six yards. Um, and then shot at him one more time, and and, clear, and I missed him. I could see the dust fly up as it kind of shot at his rear end. The thing only made it 40 yards and piled up, you know? Right. Um, so I was just thrilled. I was like, oh, man, this is uh, – Razor's going to be proud of me for this one. So Yeah, no, that was cool. <laughs> and a black buck. And, you know, a lot of people outside of Texas don't understand, you know, it's not easy to get close to a black buck. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not – you know, they're, they usually kind of stay out in the middle of the – a big field area or whatever and and it's just you can sit there for days trying to get in range of a black buck you know oh yeah so when you get fortunate to have one come in no that's yeah. i paced it off it was eight no, yards awesome. i couldn't believe it worked out like it did no yeah. it's freaking i'll take it yeah. i'll take it all day long and look you said you mentioned cheating with the vortex uh site hey cheating i mean my guy i use a red dot i i used open sites for freaking 20 years or whatever yeah. until my eyes started, you know, now I got to wear cheaters and stuff. So to me, um, I want that red dot because I want to make a perfect shot. Mm-hmm. You know, I can shoot targets with my, without my glasses and stuff. It's a little fuzzy, but I can do it. But when I'm hunting, I'm, I'm not going to take that risk, but it is what it is. And you know what? I mean, and here's the thing about the red dot on a handgun there are so many people out there that want to shoot a handgun nine millimeter tim whatever but they cannot shoot it for whatever reason they've had instruction they've had and they they just can't shoot it worth the crap because it's difficult yeah but but when you put a red dot on there you eliminate a lot of eye issues you eliminate it because some people can't line up the, the, the iron sights. I grew up shooting that. I mean, that's what I shot deer with when I was little was open sights, you know, mm-hmm. and I was just right. So, you know, it's like you're a kid. So you kind of have an advantage if that's what you grew up doing. But there's a lot of people that can't do that. Their eyes may have issues or they're just whatever the case. But the red dot allows people that would never be able to have fun shooting a handgun at targets or hunting the ability to do it. 
I, yeah, I love but, it. I love it. <laughs> but they still, but that, yeah, yeah, but they still, but the thing is, as you know, with the handgun, you know, if you flinch just a fraction, you'll miss 10 feet, you know? Oh, you have what, to be yeah. perfect. Which was my, I mean, it's, my effective range, and I was like, eh. If I was to shoot outside 20 yards, it would have been where I would think I was getting into that unethical uh, area. Right. Of just kind of spray and pray, you know? So. Right, right. And, and you know, like I've shot, like one time I shot this hog, bam, and it took off. And I hit it good, but it took off. And I was going to get a second shot, and I guess I kind of jerked that trigger. And I missed by 20 yards. You know what I mean? And <laughs> yeah. And it's funny because... Because with that handgun, the follow through, I always think of it like, like golf, people that play golf, you know, keep your head down, follow through it. It's the same thing with, for me with the handgun, I've got to, my, my grip is the main thing. It, the instruction I had with handguns in the past five, six years was all about the grip. Hmm. And when I get my grip correct and that when I go to shoot a target or especially animals, my main focus is my grip on that gun. Hmm. And, um, and cause the grip, if I don't have my grip, right. When I press that trigger, it can cause me to torque or it causes me, whatever the case may be that that's my main focus is the grip. It's and a I lot like uh, bow hunting. I mean, yeah, which is the appeal, it's you so know, it's the, uh, it's, um, getting in close to the animal and, uh, you know, executing a good shot based off of repetition and practice. So, uh, yeah. And it's so, it's so fun, you know, and it's, and it's so cool. I mean, if you watch, you know, looking at Instagram, so many people now are, um, are doing it and, and it's freaking awesome. Um, but my main thing is, and as you know, you know, one thing about it, it's like bow hunting, you, you've, got to practice and practice a lot especially because when you get that animal out there you know then you get nervous then all this stuff then that animal's kind of moving a little bit and you know it's not all perfect so yeah but well I, you know for my first one I, i'm almost uh well i am glad that there wasn't that moment of I, I didn't get to watch him for 10 minutes and line up the shot you know it was yeah there he is it's now or never do you have what it takes to make the shot or exactly. let him walk away? So it was, uh, I, you know, I didn't draw it up as a freehanded deal, but that's how it went down. And, uh, at eight no, yards, well, I mean, eh, whatever, this is, this is how I think about it. If you do it legal and you're doing it, whatever means it's, that's your business. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's like, okay. It's like, well, he has a red dot. Okay. I take off the red dot. Now I have a freaking state-of-the-art rifle with state-of-the-art bullets that do state-of-the-art stuff. So where does it stop? Well, those bullets are so – well, where do I – it eventually goes back. I'm going to have to throw a rock at it to, to make everyone happy. Right. You dig it? You know what I mean? It's like where does it end? So it's like, well, if you're shooting a recurve, well, then wait. That's a recurve. Why don't you go back to a longbow? That you made out of out of a, of a tree limb. You know what I mean? Where does it end? Where, where that does you it whittled end? with your Swiss Army knife, yeah. Uh, exactly. Uh, and then, then somebody would come up and say, well, you used the Swiss Army knife. You didn't use flint. You know? I mean, so where does it go? It doesn't. And that, you know, that's one thing I'll say about the about a certain aspect of the hunting stuff is that it it, it evolves into this, well, he was using this, or, well, he was hunting here. It's like, you know what? 
just go hunting. Find something that you like, whatever it is, a muzzleloader, a handgun, a but what who you know what? Just go for it. Enjoy it. And and just it doesn't matter, you know? It's all personal. You yeah. Know? It's church, you know, for a yeah, lot of us. Yeah. It, and that's and that's the thing about the handgun. It opens up a whole new avenue to experience the the hunting scenario in a completely different paradigm mm. because it's a completely different deal and and it's exciting and we in being humans we're always searching we're always wanting to do something different you know and and um that's what i love about it you know yeah i don't think there's and anything that, wrong with saying i mean who doesn't like an adrenaline rush you know i mean that's part of yeah. the, whether it's you doing your crazy motocross stuff uh uh-huh. people can see that on your <laughs> on your instagram page uh you i mean you're running in these races these days uh with your uh, yeah. your quad or what is that thing it, well it's it's a side by side um like it's a yamaha yxz and and there's also a polaris uh razor 1000 but yeah but they're souped up baja buggies <laughs> <laughs> you know, so razors and a adrenaline junkie, just in case uh, anyone didn't know that. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, that's part of the no. that's part of the hunting experience. Is it's not like we're shooting up heroin, but to pretend the hunt doesn't come with a certain level of adrenaline. I mean, that's not being honest. So you got to embrace that and feed off of those heightened senses that come along with the rush. Exactly. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with and, it. And you know what? And, and this this is what's so wild about you know about hunting. It's like okay. You know, it's not just the excitement and the adrenaline of the 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 situation of the kill going down. Oh, that's, that's a big part of it. Yeah, yeah, because it's like you know, I love to go hiking, but there's it changes the whole dynamic when you're carrying a rifle, a bow, or a handgun with you, hmm. in the sense of you may not be on the big hunt, but you have the possibility to hunt and it just to me when when which i'm never unarmed but when i'm going when i'm walking and i may just go i'm just going to go out and take a walk but i have my bow with me just in case i see some hogs it makes that whole experience completely different to me oh for sure and um then then whereas like like for instance if you went to uh to glacier national park it's you'd blow your freaking mind of what you'd see, but if you could walk through there with a bow and arrow in your hand, your experience would be completely mm-hmm. different. Even if you never even shot an arrow, just the just being in that kind of that hunt mode, it changes everything. And that's the feeling, you know, to me. That's the whole thing. I think that's why we get so excited. Like when you get gear in, and you're you're doing your videos, you're unboxing gear and showing stuff. It's just a cool feeling. It's hunting <laughs> yeah. gear to get you in that mode. It's exciting, you know. It's it's it. That's that's why people watch that. It's like look at this, you know, and 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 that's what's so cool about hunting. Because if if it was just nature, I would sit outside the house here and just pair of binoculars and watch, watch Tweety birds. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, and that's cool. But the other side of it is, you know. Deep down inside, in our brain, we have the instinct to chase and catch, and and that's why we do what we do. You know, this wasn't invented. 
it, it was it's a natural desire, just like a dog has a natural desire to go lift his leg on a tree. <laughs> Why on a tree? I have no idea, but he has an instinct to mark his territory. We're the exact same exact same way. And um and whenever I look at it that way, it's like, man, that's freaking cool. You know? Well. So we're two <laughs> folks who'll never be accused of suppressing that inherent uh, desire no. to go on the hunt. That is for sure. Exactly. Yeah. E- exactly. Uh, and that and that's what's cool. And then and the handguns and all that just all just makes it freaking just ex- more exciting. Well, Razor, wrapping things up here. Where can folks find your uh, your TV show, brother? Well, we're off the air. Uh, right now, you know, we're we're on from like July through December. Yeah. But you can go, you can go to myoutdoortv and uh, dot com, and there's like a hundred episodes I think on there, and um, and then we have some stuff on YouTube. Not a lot because I had never been able to post a lot because I've always been under contract where I can't post a lot of stuff. And then of course on Instagram, we don't do much on. Um, Facebook a little bit, but Instagram, you can, I think it's Razor Dobbs Alive. We always post stuff and, and, um, and there. And then on the dark web when I'm hunting with two guns, but that's, that's only on the dark web. <laughs> right. Well, rock on, man. Like thanks. Thanks for the time. Uh, thanks for, yeah. for, like I said, nudging me in that direction. Uh, the, the ember was sparked years ago, um, but, just yep. started to fan the flame here recently, and, and I'm already looking for I'm like, what can I go home with my handgun next? So, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And you know what? Look, look at those comments on those pictures that you post on that. See, you just sparked the, the you just made the spark for someone else. Yeah. And that's how it works, man. That's what we do. And that's what's fun. Yes, it is, my friend. Well, hey, I appreciate the time, man. Thanks again. Hey, you got any time. Thanks. Big round of applause there for our good buddy, Razor Dobbs. Always uh, more than willing to jump on. And we certainly appreciate that. That segment was proudly brought to you by Lone Star Ag Credit. Land's the one thing they ain't making any more of, friends, but we all want it. So if you're ready to take that plunge and make that dream your reality, whether that's for hunting, fishing, recreating, or just to you know get the hell out of the big city, or you want to run cattle, whatever, Lone Star Ag Credit has you covered. You can find them at LoneStarAgCredit.com. When we come back, we'll be joined by Phonescope's Cheston Davis. They've got a new fire-starting product that I think any backcountry hunter, hiker, or angler will want to hear about. We'll do that next on the Lone Star Outdoors Show. Just taking it slow you have a hog problem at your ranch or deer lease, we have the solution. The System Hog Trap comes in two sizes, 17-foot and 30-foot diameter traps. After you trap the hogs, take the top section off the trap and use it for another feeder site to keep the hogs away from the feeder. The System is both a trap and a deer food plot fence. That way you don't waste your money on just a hog trap. Call 940-391-3669 or visit www.goinfencing.com. That's goinfencing.com. Three Curl Outfitters is now offering guided North Texas quail hunts. Just 30 minutes south of DFW, if you're looking for a quality quail hunt close to home, 
planning a company outing or just looking for a place to tune up your dogs, you need to give them a call. Hunts are $2.50 a hunter for a half-day hunt. That includes 15 birds, and you can add extra birds for $8 a piece if you want to give your bird dog just a little more run. You're welcome to bring your own dogs. Otherwise, the guide and dog fee is $1.50 a day for your entire group. That's not per person. Go to 3curl.com or call 214-641-8097 to book your hunt today. Welcome everybody back to the Lone Star Outdoor Show, powered by Dallas Safari Club. That's our very own Martin McKinney Bonfire bringing us back. Man, uh, we're about to light a bonfire ourselves with Cheston Davis, our pal from PhoneScope. They've got a new product. Literally just came out, I think, last week. It's called Pyro Putty. And if you hunt the backcountry, you're going to want to know what Pyro Putty is and how it can help you. Uh, it's, I think, the latest and greatest fire starting technology and, and to be honest with you, uh, an industry that's quite stale. I haven't seen anything that blew my mind as far as fire starting is concerned here in, uh, in a long time. So we'll do that in a second. First, though, this segment proudly brought to you by Rudy's True Texas-style barbecue. I'll be out at the Rudy's in front of the Cabela's. In Allen, Texas, on April 20th, I've got a smorgasbord of hunting and fishing uh, related prizes, some Lone Star Outdoor Show swag. So come see me 10 to noon, Saturday, April 20th, at the Rudy's in front of the Cabela's in Allen, Texas. Well, let's go ahead and bring on our next guest. He is about as passionate a backcountry hunter as you'll find, which led to his creation of PhoneScope. And uh, they've got something new, like I alluded to earlier, that we want to discuss today. It's my pleasure to welcome Cheston Davis back to the program. Yeah, man. Great to be back. Love it. My pleasure. Um, we got a lot to get into today because you guys have put out quite a few new things since the last time we spoke. And I want to start with scoped vision. Um, folks, you know, everybody at this point in time, if you are in the hunting industry, especially or if you're a hunter, if you're invested in the hunting lifestyle, you've probably seen PhoneScope. You might not have one. You probably know what it is, okay? So um, basically you can record whatever you're looking at through your, um, I prefer spotting scope, some folks, you know, binos, whatever the case. Um, but you can record that, which is great for scouting. Um, some folks, you know, if there's two of you, uh, you can get the kill shot, um, that great footage, through your uh, phone scope as well. You guys took it to the next level, though, this past year with scoped vision. Tell us a little bit about this. I know it was a, a kind of a long time coming. Yeah, you know, scoped vision's been, a, like you said, a project for many years now, and it's always been the concept we've had. It's always how do we take the concept and make it small enough for somebody to want to use in the field? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Our biggest hurdle, but um with smart people much smarter than i and time and energy was able to make it happen so scope vision is basically exactly what it says scope vision it's giving it's letting more than one person be able to see through the rifle scope at any given time now that can be done by a bunch of people standing to the side and that's been helpful for you know getting young kids out shooting and you're able to teach them moa or mill or 
windage or you name it because now you can see at the same time as them and you're like okay no go over one more click one more dot yeah hold over this high because growing up at a, as a young kid out here in utah we uh we use the common sling just above its back right my dad would always <laughs> say to my grandpa hold just above its back kentucky hold. windage yeah yeah exactly <laughs> how high is just above his back right right <laughs> well now We've we've been able to solve that because now dad can be sitting right next to son and being like, no, that's 17 feet over its back. What are you talking about? That's no, dad, you said just a little. Yeah, just a little. Yeah. <laughs> so you can go anywhere from those that way. Now one person can be looking through the scope on the side of you while you're looking through the scope because it's basically just splitting the prism and projecting one prism up towards the phone and then the other prism back towards the shooter. It's looking through the scope. So one of the best videos that I've seen lately is we had a, a handicap hunter that a guy had purchased one of our scope visions for this. And we had really no idea what was going on until we got the video and talk about just tear wrenching. It was just amazing. So they take the kid out and they sight the gun in and, and the kid's kind of just, you know, oh man, I, I don't know if I, I'm kind of scared to shoot it with bullets in it and all this stuff. And they was able to gain the confidence of the young man. To where he's out there ringing still, you know. I'll I'll send you the link to the video so that way you can post it out because it is yeah. amazing. <laughs> it's something that needs to be needs to be shown. And they go out get the kid on a deer. The guys over there keeping an eye on the phone, making sure that it's it's held properly on the deer. And the kid squeezes off and smokes him like 200 plus yards away. Hmm. Kid breaks down, starts bawling. Dad, I smoked him, and you know. It was a huge eye opener that that's that's what it's about. That's what that's how hunting was when I was raised too. I still were we get off on a different tangent with social media and trying to outdo everybody. But this video just really reeled me back into reality of like, dude, that's amazing. Like that's what that's what it's about. And the guy says, Dude, if it wasn't for the scope vision, there's literally no way that would have happened. Huh. And, you know, that was kind of a lot of it behind scope vision is we would get we get people asking all the time about handicap hunters. Hey, I need this to hook up to a rifle scope because I've got a blind client coming in or I've got a young kid that's got cancer that's going downhill big time and he wants to kill an animal. Or When we were trying to build them before, we were mounting them right behind the rifle scope. Mm -hmm. And you've got to add adequate eye relief, so three to four inches, for the phone to be able to see the image and be able to focus. Well, what happens when you put a phone three to four inches behind a rifle scope? Oh yeah, it's I mean, right in your face. We've you know before I mean? before phone scope. We've all tried that, you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, here, let me try to video this buck through my binos while I'm holding my phone. No, just it's a it, it <laughs> doesn't work. No, it's terrible. Yeah. So you know that was kind of the, the handicap aspect has always been huge for us, and this video is just amazing because it really just brings back how how it's just. I don't even know how to explain it. It's just, it's amazing to see. So we've got, um, as far as scope vision goes, we've got multiple different ones. Um, we've got our universal one, which is one I believe we sent you um, to yeah. utilize, um, which is basically utilizing the ratchet straps. So that way it'll basically hug the curvature of your optic, and you can take it on and off in a matter of seconds. Um, the only thing you got to do is you got to adjust the eye relief because each scope is a little bit different. And you got to make sure that it's centered. So it's, there's a there's a little bit of a learning curve to that one. 
um, but it is fairly quick and efficient. We've got a brand new one coming out here called the Pro Model. Um, this one's kind of been built around more of your military law enforcement world to where they can utilize it on the same gun and how it works. It's going to clamp around the tube of your rifle scope and basically just have a little piece sticking off the tube to where we have a beam that'll slide through it. Mm-hmm. So you take it, slide it on, and, and it'll center every time. So it's really quick and easy um, for setting it up. And then we've got a PVS-14 thermal uh, version that we've done a, done a lot of work with um, perfecting it. Because it's, you know, even with these thermal devices that can record with onboard recording, the quality is just not there. Yeah. The screen quality is there but the recording capabilities are not there. So with this new PVS-14, it now allows a shooter to hook a cell phone up to live. You can video um, and be able to actually get that high frame rate. And it's been it's been fun because it's a whole new world for me. Now, you Texas guys, you guys have been able to enjoy it for long before. <laughs> but I'll tell you, there's nothing cooler than being able to play with, with thermal. Like, it's just... I'm like a kid. I'm a kid. We're the OGs. The OGs of thermal. Yeah, it's true. I'll give you guys credit. The OGs <laughs> is the hog hunters down in Texas. Yeah. Right. Um, and then we've got a, a red dot um, version for like a pickrel for ARs for you name it. Anywhere from law enforcement, military training applications to three gunning to you name it. It's we've got that one available too. And these ones are all coming out soon. Um, we've shown quite a few of these at SHOT Show, and they're pretty much ready to, to drop on the market. The problem is they're trying to fill pre-orders. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, so, yeah, we got some really cool stuff coming out on top of just our normal everyday phone scope, which still just blows me away every time I use it because of the quality of such long distance through a pair of binoculars or a spotting scope. is just, I don't know. Every time I do it, I'm like, holy crap, I can't believe how far away that animal is in the quality. These cell phones are getting better. They're causing more headaches for us, having to continue to keep tooling. But, you know, the good <laughs> part is, is we make all of our tools and we build all our injection stuff right here in the great state of Utah. Um, It'd be great for you if iPhone just, like, said, hey, we're not putting out a phone for, like, three years. Oh, dude, it'd be amazing. And what, hey, you guys are probably loving every time Apple and Samsung are dropping new phones. And it's like, no, honestly, we hate it. Because right when we get an injection tool paid for, a new phone shows up. So it's like, yeah. oh, cool. Now you got to go drop more money because those injection tools are definitely not cheap. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, it's, uh, yeah, we've got we've got a lot of really cool things happening. You've kind of been able to, to see all this stuff unfold over the, the last few years. And so future is looking bright, and we're looking forward to seeing a lot more of that content that normally one person's able to experience a shooter and being able to let – multiple people be able to experience grandkids in a few i mean generations that we'll never even get to know will be able to see how crappy of shots we were or how you know what i mean just being able to watch back on grandpa's footage great grandpa's footage and uh there's something about that that's that's really cool no doubt no doubt being able to share it you know going back to what you said about social media it seems like we're always trying to one-up somebody you know for whatever reason uh, who can get the most views, the most likes, all that stuff. But uh, I have seen that video, and it is it takes it back to what hunting really is about. And, you know, to be able to share that, that's what I'd like to see more of on social media, you know. Yeah. Um, well, shifting gears here, though, something that I'm really excited about as someone who spends, uh, you know, a, a good amount of time in the backcountry every year 
And I mean, like, I might not, you guys are so lucky in, out, out west because some of you, a lot of you live so close to a trailhead. You know, you can go in and hunt for the day, come out. For us Texans, uh, it's quite an investment. You're, if you're driving to Colorado, New Mexico, Montana, wherever, you know, you're, you're more than likely going in for a week, 10, 14 days at a time um, just to make it worthwhile you know, to, to invest that much time to go that far. Uh, so one thing that is exciting that you guys just put out, and I didn't even know you guys had your hands in this part of the, uh, hunting industry, but it's called pyro putty and it is a very compact fire starter. I've seen the video of you guys, of you guys just dousing it in water, pulling it out and then starting it and lighting it again. So tell us a little bit about this. I'm fascinated. You don't have to give us all the science and the, the dirty little secrets on, on this, but uh, certainly a product that I think is just incredible. Yeah, you know, it's uh, man, it, it's a product that the guy that's kind of created it all, he, he came to my office and he's been a family friend for a long time. He's like, yeah, I got something really cool. And I'm like, sweet. I was like, yeah, fire starters perfect you know and i just kind of i kind of just tuned him out a little bit because i'm like man i got fire starters <laughs> well i'll be damned if i did not freeze my butt off one time and over the fall because it was just raining and everything was wet and i just I couldn't get a good fire lit. So i says hey let's let's look at that and how does it work and he came in and started showing me how it all works and sh i mean literally he lit it with a magnifying glass in 20 seconds <laughs> on a windy day and i'm just like and let me rephrase this. It actually wasn't a magnifying glass. It was a business card, like a credit card, that was a magnifying glass. So it probably as cheap of a magnifying glass as you can get with like zero magnification. Yeah. And he lit it on fire. And my jaw hit the floor. I'm like, huh. So he took kind of his ideas along with my ideas to make it ideal for backcountry hunting, lightweight, and all that, and created pyro putty. All the team was on board after we kind of played around with it a little bit. And to say the least, the few trade shows that we've exhibited it at, I'm pretty sure the consumers are loving it too because we've sold just we've sold out. Like it's been it's been off the chain. So what it is is it's basically it's a pliable putty, uh -huh. sticky, you name it. So the cool part is like the other day we we're out snowmobiling and everything obviously is wet. There's seven eight feet of snow. We busted off some broken or some dead branches that were hanging, and I took it and. I basically stuck it around the end of the stick. And then what you do is you'll expose the fibers so that way it has something to start the fire. And once it starts, it's going to continue to burn. So we basically created a torch, right? Mm. And then we could light whatever we wanted on fire because even like a quarter size piece of it will burn for 5, 10, 15 minutes, depending on how much fiber you have exposed because that controls the flame rate. Yeah. So... We basically built did a giant fire up there in the snow, and it was easy to build. It was almost as easy as using gas, like literally. But the big part is it's got a lot longer burn time than it does than using gas. Um, oh, I've so, tried to start the Lazy Man's Fire at Deer Camp many times with gas, and you know it's like it starts for a minute, and then you got to just put more gasoline yeah, on the. On. I think that's probably where the phrase "put more gas on the fire" came from. Uh, it'll do the exactly. trick, but you yeah. Keep it burning. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you got to keep it burning. No, and so you know, it's been, it's been a really cool product to play with because it's something that the industry has needed for a long time. There is no doubt about it. There is no fire starter that's even 
comparable to this. Mm-hmm. Um, the cool part is, is uh, like it, it'll waterproof your boots. So if your boots are leaking, you take it, rub it on there, and it won't light up because once you separate the actual fiber from the putty itself, it's no longer flammable. Like there's some really cool characteristics that this guy has put together, and had, he's had it built for five plus years. I've just been too ignorant to really give him the time because of how busy we've been. Mm-hmm. But this is something the industry has long needed. Like it is, it is the coolest stuff ever. Like, like you said, there's there's a video. He told me like, dude, it's 100 percent waterproof. I'm like, yeah, I've heard that before on fire starters. Yeah. He literally took it, threw it in a bowl, threw the whole can in a bowl, pulls it out, pulls the putty out, squeezes it, almost rings it out a little bit. Turns it apart, exposes the fibers, lights it, and sets it back on the water. It's floating. And he's like, what do you think of that? And I'm like, that right there, my friend, is cool. Yeah. Because there's a lot of people like me that even though you have fire starters in your backpack, you're still used to being cold because it's just how it ends up. Anytime you need to light a fire, it seems like the conditions are never proper. They're never perfect. You know what it's I mean? a pain in the ass, fire man. Like, so oh, yeah. you're chasing elk all day, and it's raining. Or you're in a late season hunt and, and there's snow on the ground and your hands are cold. You've been exposed to elements all day. What what I really want to do in those situations is get in my sleeping bag and go to sleep. But you got to eat because yeah. you got to refuel and you got to get warm and you need to make a fire. Uh, cold camping is is it's not as great as advertised. Let me tell you. <laughs> no, no. You know what, what's funny is I've been in those predicaments so many times. And I've always said to myself, if I had one lifeline where I could just push a button and just be transport back to my truck, I would use it right now. If I only had one. I've said that multiple times, and it's all because I'm always cold, wet, and hungry, mm-hmm. right? It's never because of anything else. And I'm like, man, what is – well, then you like the truck three days later. I'm like, man, I can't believe I was such a sissy. I was going to just – hit my reset button, transport back to the truck and go home. Because <laughs> it's usually, you know, after after you get warmed up and get some food and you get to sleep and you're good to go. But the cool part about this is we were out, um, he took a lot of the st- or a lot of the scouts up on uh, the Klondike recently, which is where they go sleep in snow caves. Everything was wet. He took a, a log, stuck the putty to it, okay? Stuck a big healthy chunk so that way we could get a lot of burn time. He lit it up and then he turned the log upside down. So now it's burning up against itself and hitting the log and drying the wood out. Well, guess what? He lit a fire pretty quick, hmm. and I was blown away because it's just it can be used in so many different areas. So back to the basics behind it, we have three different blends. We have a blue, which is the winner, and everybody's like, what's the difference? So I'm giving them a now. First, we have a blue, which is the winner. We have an orange, which is the summer, and then we have a green, which is an eco, going green, right? Yeah. So the blue one. It's a lot thinner, and you and you've got some, so you can probably. I'm probably gonna teach you a little something too now. I've, I'm, I've got the eco one opened shirt. up in my hand right now. It's like a fluorescent green color. Yep, that, yep touching that, it that, and that, smelling it. Green. Yeah. So I'll I'll hit that one very last. Um, but the the blue one, it's it's uh, a winter blend, and so it's a lot thinner, so that way it's more pliable when it's super cold outside. So I mean, it's got like a temperature range from like negative 25 to 70 degrees. Uh huh. The summer, obviously, is thicker because it's a lot warmer in the summer months. And so that way, it's not quite as sticky and runny. Yeah. And you can still ply it. You can still do what you want. It'll hold its composure. And that one's probably more from like 20 degrees to 100 plus degrees. And then the green one that you've got, that's our, our renewable resources one. So there's literally no petroleum bases in that one at all. 
Hmm. That's one of our nat uh, our nature hunters, our national parks, our that type of stuff is the target audience behind that one. Mm-hmm. Um, and that one's basically just uh, one temperature for all. In the winter, it might be a little bit thicker than you'd like, but you know that's kind of the only way we can make that one based on the the properties behind it. Sure. Um, that's probably our best waterproofer. You don't have to try it. Like literally take it. And the cool part is with that. Fluorescent dyes that we'd use in all three of them. If you want to go out and mark a trail at night, you take a little teeny piece, stick it to a tree. It won't even be noticeable in the daylight, but at night, you take like a black light and it'll react and it'll shine. Hmm. You can mark a trail because granite GPSs and all that are great, but sometimes two or three feet makes the difference of walking down towards the cliff or walking up to the ridge line in the dark. Yeah. I've been there plenty of times, like it's GPSs are great, but they're not bulletproof. Yeah, marking your trail is bulletproof, and there's no longer having to use that fluorescent tape that everybody uses to mark a trail. To a, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Hey, go this way, because the last thing you want to do is you always want to be. Well, at least I'm very competitive, so if I can mark something, so that way I can beat people in, in the morning, and I don't have to get up like two in the morning. I can now sleep in until four. <laughs> That's huge, right? That's a big win for me. Yeah. Um, so we've got a lot of really cool characteristics behind all these on top of just being the ultimate fire starter. Um, we've got, we've got some really cool stuff coming out here in the near future too. Um, we've got a, we've got a new, it's basically like a plasma lighter. It basically, it's like a ta- uh, taser mm-hmm. and you push a button and it just basically creates a, a spark and it's electronic. Um, we've got that that's going to be rolling out. Well, well, once you air this, it'll probably be out by then. But the price point on it's gonna be twenty five bucks. You can light it three hundred times and it recharges, wow. fully waterproof. Like finally something that, because how many times have we been in that same situation where you actually got decent wood, but you can't get your dang bic lighter to light, or it ends up getting broken in your backpack, or there's so many problems with fire starting that we're trying to solve every single one of those problems with pyro putty. It'll light like you've never seen with a ferris rod. I mean, dude, just as long as you get a spark onto it, it's going to light. Well, so we've got, we've got, go ahead. Yeah, no, I'm just going to ask you. Um, you've, I've got five tins here. I've got the winter, summer, and eco blends. And then I've got two little, two uh, smaller ones. So, like, if I was going to go, so just so people know, these are about the size of a can of dip, the, the regular size yeah. ones. Yep. And then. Yep. The smaller ones are more like uh, like the size of a Carmex, you know, um, uh, a container. Um, that if you were going to put some lip balm on, you know, you stick your finger in there. Um, what is the MSRP on these? Well, that's where we'll really shock them. <laughs> so the main size can, same same, can, same size of can of chew, your two ounces of pyro putty in it, and your price point on that one's ten bucks. Oh wow, ten dollars. And you know how many fires you can build with that? A lot. Like, I'm going to build a lot of fires with it. <laughs> oh, dude, it's fun just to play around with, honestly. That's why I, we got a big label on there. Not for kids or teens. Pyro, I know buddy. I was when I was a teen. You know what I mean? What is it? What is it about um, dudes? Like, I don't think it's so much about, you know, women don't really have that desire to just burn stuff like we do, you know? No. And it, it, you yeah, don't grow don't out of it. it. I'm 37, and I still like to, like, make a fire and, like, throw stuff in it and watch it burn <laughs> oh yeah yeah no it's it's, it's a truth it's i don't know it's just something about it that, and that's where the name pyro putty we tried to you know we sit down for 
I told I told Will. I said, Will, the only way that I'm gonna I'm gonna back all this is if we come up with a catchy name. Mm-hmm. And one of the first names out, I believe, my dad or Will or somebody kind of already had this one ready to go. Cause my dad was supportive of this from day one. It was always me that was like, we don't have time, Dad. We've got to keep focusing on all this stuff. Another pyro, another fire starter. Like, you know what I mean? Come on. And they threw out pyro putty, and I was like, yep, I'm backing you 100%. Let's get things running. And we took it from that. This was probably in December, and we took it from there to where it was at Shot Show when we launched, and it's just been insanely received because the price points there mm-hmm. the small half ounce cans that you're talking about um they're five bucks literally five like 5.99 or else we're selling a five pack it comes with two blues two oranges and one green so two winter two summer one eco for twenty dollars oh, wow. um i mean they're so small that you don't even know they're there it's honestly one needs to be in every vehicle that you own it's you know, this is hilarious. You're going to laugh at this one. So my brother is a prime example of have, should having one in every every vehicle. So he's got a sweet Toyota 4Runner, supercharged, you name it. It's, he thinks it's the freaking indestructible beast, right? Mm-hmm. Nothing can get in its way. Well, the other day he was out with uh, a couple of my employees and his kids, and they were driving down a dirt road, and a snowbank sucked him in and tipped it over, flipped it over. Everybody was fine. It was all seatbelted up. Mm-hmm. But it was colder than crap. He called me, and I just got off the mountain snowmobiling. He's like, hey, come out, bring out your truck, tip it back over, help me. Um, and I was like, yeah. He's like, try to hurry because it's freezing out here. I'm like, well, dude, build a fire real quick. He's like, yeah, I don't have anything to build a fire with. <laughs> and I was like, are you kidding me? And, and he works for Scoped Industries, too, my brother. He he runs all of our hydrographics and Cerakoting and Tefloning companies. Uh-huh. And I was like, are, what the hell, car? Like, dude you should have pyro putty in every vehicle you have right now because we're not, I'm not going to even notice it disappearing because it's not inventory yet. Like it's so new. We don't have an inventory. Every one of my employees should be like hydrating it and putting every one of their vehicles, their four wheelers, their backpacks, their boats. I mean, hell you can build a fire on the water. Jeez. And uh, he's like, yeah, I know. So I get out there and dude, the wind's howling. His kids are just like running and jumping in my truck. And I'm just like, okay, this is a prime example. Why every person should have a small can of this with one of our electronic lighters because they know it's going to light. Guarantee it's going to light. Um, and so that's where we've got this. We're creating a new product that's going to basically let you use the the ferris rod to strike it. Mm. And it's going to yeah. have putty built into it. So that way it's it's a it's a survival tool. Um, the cool part is, is you can you can get this fire. You can utilize pyro putty to get a survival a survival fire built within a matter of minutes like it, it's great because you can depending on how much putty you put out and how many fibers exposed is going to yield how big the flame is huh. so there that's where the bigger cans come in handy because it's like okay if you're in a crappy spot where you need to burn the whole can if you take the whole can out i mean you can get it to burn for up to six hours on one two ounce can now you can probably also burn the whole can in an hour depending on how much Basically, fibers are exposed, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to play with it. You're going to like it. It's a product that everybody's long waited for. Do they just? We just didn't know we needed it, if that makes sense, because we've always been getting by. Yeah. Um, but I can testify that there's nothing even close to, to what this, this is and what it's going to do. And we've got a lot of cool projects in the in the launch here. So we'll, uh, we'll get back on one of these days, especially with Will, and let him kind of tell more of the 
Yeah. Well, I, I'm certainly excited about it. it. I mean, that that fire starting um, industry has been stale for a long time. Nothing new's really come out that's like, well, that's cool. No, no. this is this is a game changer. Uh, and I'm gonna make one uh, so people uh, just so people know, I'll do a video uh, and I'll post it up this week of me wetting this stuff, putting it in water, and then taking it out and, and lighting it just to show folks yeah. that, it, you know, this is not a gimmick. It is actually... Y- yeah, you know, no smoke and mirrors here. Like, that's the one thing about me is I've canceled and wasted a lot of money with projects that we thought were going to be awesome, and they sucked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because I just, number one, I don't have time for that. Number two, I'm the last guy that wants to blindfold somebody and take your money. Yeah. Because we could not be where we're at without all of our amazing supporters and I mean, I hate calling anybody ever a customer because I feel that it's far more beyond that with us. We're more of a family, a team, a, you name it. But, yeah, that's – no, I want – yeah, do that. Show everybody that this is the real deal. This is what you Absolutely, man. We certainly appreciate it, and we will uh, be looking forward to all the new stuff. You guys are always uh, pushing the envelope on development, so I look forward to seeing what uh, what the future holds for – for all of the phone scope family. Okay. No, I appreciate it, man. And uh yeah, let's plan on jumping on again here one day. Hopefully I got some cool more stories to tell and some new products to drop. Oh, let's do this. Let's do a giveaway. How about the, how about we give away one of those five what is it, a five pack you said of the little one? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, let's do that. Let's do this. So Cheston's been on the show before and he mentioned what his favorite species to hunt is. So y'all email it in. Email if you know the answer. You can also just go back and on the website and check it out if you don't know off the top of your head, but that should be pretty easy to figure out. Just email it in to Lone Star Outdoors Show at gmail dot com, and everyone who uh, knows the answer will put them will put their names in the hat and we'll draw uh, a winner to uh, send out some pyro putty too. Sweet. You know what? Let's pick three winners. I'm feeling generous today. <laughs> generous Tuesday. <laughs> So we'll put his name in a hat, and we're gonna pick. No, we're gonna pick five. We're gonna get. We're gonna give away five five packs. How's that? I like five it. Five cans totals going out to, to all uh, all your family followers there. Awesome, man. Good stuff. Well, we certainly appreciate it. Hey, no problem, man. I appreciate you having me and putting up with me. <laughs> it's always a pleasure. We'll do it again <laughs> soon. All right, thanks, Cable. Well, there he goes, Cheston Davis, our buddy from PhoneScope, and I, I have since made that video. Actually, I, I tested the product out. And it is on my Instagram. Y'all check that out there. It's uh, it's bona fide. It's, I mean, this is a legit tool that I think every backcountry hunter, angler, camper, hiker is going to want in their pack. Uh, that segment of the show proudly brought to you by John X Safaris. Unfortunately, just looking at the clock here, guys, we have got to go. Got to get out of here. It's been a lot of fun today. Thanks to all of our guests, Cheston. Razor Dobbs, as well as Texas Parks and Wildlife's Alan Kane. We'll do it again, same time, same place next week. Thanks to all of our sponsors for making the show possible. Thanks to you, the listener, for being a part of the Lone Star Outdoors show. Until next time, I'm Cable Smith saying, y'all have a great week in the outdoors. It's always been-